0: What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDIC.
1: The Rookie is a free serialized audiobook meant for mature audiences. Written and performed by number one New York Times bestselling novelist, Scott Sigler. For links to order a young adult version of this book, without all the cussing, in print, ebook, or audiobook, visit slash the rookie one word. This podcast contains mature situations, adult language, and lots and lots of violence. Listener discretion is advised. You- Hello. Man, I am just cruising along on Shakedown, book one of the Crypt series. 90% done with the editor's review. After that comes the review of the technical edits by my military, medical, and continuity consultants. And then, my friends, the final draft. It is done. In other news, for the first time in, I think, over 20 years, I, the FDO, own a PC. Almost all editors in the publishing industry do their work in MS Word. But when you have 500-page books like I do, and they have dozens of marks on each page, it makes for thousands and thousands of edits, which kills MS Word for Mac. It just makes it do spins and loops, and it it just doesn't work out because it has to process all that stuff for some reason. So I got myself a 17-inch Asus laptop, two years old, so it's a hell of a bargain. And now Word works like a charm. There are zero slowdowns. I'm super pumped. This is going to greatly improve my workflow and allow me to write more new, better, gooder stuff for you guys. I do have to get used to the the new os it's very it's a little bit different and get used to the differences in the keyboard, but other than that, it seems to work pretty, pretty well. Let's get back to the rookie adult version after this episode. Just six episodes left. It's the perfect time to share this with your friends. You might want to get into it because by the time they go through the 21 episodes, they will be ready for the last six. There'll be no waiting at all for them. And that will be just just a gosh darn treat. So let me get you caught up on the story so far. Then we're all going to go scrape some barnacles. Don Pine was ordered to throw the game against the OS-1 orbiting death. Quentin drugged him to get him off the field, then stepped in and led the INF Krakens to victory. With the W in the books, what will the fallout be for Quentin? And what will the fallout be for Don Pine? Find out next on The Rookie, episode number 21. Yesud, of course, wanted to drag everyone, non-humans included, out to the nightclub district. Quentin put a stop to that, saying the team had to stay sharp in a dangerous place like the Ace. And after beating the orbiting death, many of the city's residents would have been most happy to fuck with an Ionath Kraken. Instead, most of the team headed to The Dead Fly, a laid-back bar owned by Chodo the Bright's family. Chodo's family shut the bar down for an impromptu private party. Quentin wanted the team to stay together. Most came along, although Pine wanted to be alone, and Quentin wasn't going to argue with him. Liquor flowed, which Quentin didn't mind as long as everyone stayed inside. The quarantine angered Yasud and Tweety, but Chodo backed up Quentin's desire to keep the team off the streets. Quentin started feeding Yasud and Tweedy beers, and after six or seven, The two stopped complaining and started enjoying the night. While drink was in plentiful supply, food was another story entirely. Quentin worked hard to keep a straight face, as Virac offered him a tray covered with fried critters that looked a lot like foot-long centipedes, only not quite as appetizing. But you are hungry.
0: There's nothing wrong with this food.
1: I don't think so, Virak, man. Those look like, eh, you know... His voice trailed off as Chodo the Bright walked up, a gin and tonic in hand, his eye a hazy shade of orange. Chodo's family had made the food, and Quentin could only imagine Chodo's reaction if he called the food shit.
2: Oh, relax, Quentin. It's fine to eat.
1: Itzhak reached out and picked up one of the fried critters by a long front leg. He dangled it over his mouth, biting up a two-inch chunk. It's all just biomass, perfectly digestible. the human digestive physiology is quite compatible, you know. Virak and Shoto stared at Quentin, obviously waiting for him to eat. Quentin gingerly reached out and picked up a critter by its leg, as Itzhak had done. He held it in front of his eyes, his stomach simultaneously growling with hunger and churning at the thought of that thing in his belly. Eat, Shoto said. It's good. Quentin lifted the thing to dangle over his lips. He opened his mouth and started to lower it when Virak's phone buzzed loudly. Quentin set the critter down, pretending to be polite as Virak answered the call. The quith warrior's eye changed from orange, the color of happiness, to pitch black almost instantly. Virak, what is it? What's the matter? The big alien put the phone away.
0: Donald Pine is in the hospital. He's been attacked.
1: Quentin walked into the room not knowing what he'd see. He didn't want to feel guilty. He hadn't been the one to gamble up a huge debt and start throwing games after all. But when he saw Don Pine in the hospital bed, he couldn't stop waves of the nasty stuff from washing over his soul. Pine was resting at a 45-degree angle, his bandaged head up high, both legs immersed in the pink liquid of rejuvenation tank. A large, enamel-white, tube-like machine hid most of his left arm. Light blue bandages covered his forehead and his right cheek. The hospital room would have seemed large were there fewer beings in it. With three key linemen, John Tweedy and Mitchell Fayette present, Quentin could barely see the walls. Hey, kid. Great game. Thanks. I watched it on tape, Seems I wasn't in much of a condition to watch it live. Yeah, Quentin said. He didn't know what else to say. Tweety's brow seemed larger than ever. Someone's gotta pay scrolled across his forehead in black letters.
2: We're gonna find the
1: fat fuckers that did this. Nobody messes with our quarterback and lives. (laughs) The key linemen, Shoto Thicket, Kiliowat, and Bodeshwek, grunted in monosyllabic agreement. Quentin had a brief image of wandering into a dark alley and facing Tweety and the lineman. He shivered at the thought, then pushed it away. the Climber, and Shiat are out looking for the culprits. They think it was someone from the Big Diggers trying to soften us up for next week. Vyrak thought it might be the Glory War Pigs, seeing as it might be also them for the championship. But the doctors say your injuries may be healed by that time. And I guess it's too fucking
2: bad for them that our number two can win games just like our number one.
1: Hey, boys! That's right. Ah. As they agreed with Tweety, they all looked at Quentin with obvious pride. Fellas, I need to talk to Quentin alone. Can you give us a minute? The five Krakens players filtered out of the room, leaving Pine to stare at Quentin. I haven't had a hit of sleepy since my tier three days. I'd forgotten what a great trip it is. You ever hit that stuff, Quentin? Quentin shook his head. I didn't think so. Wonder boy like you would never touch a drug like that, huh? Well, at least he'd never take a drug like that. I'll bet that if he wanted to, he could get his hands on an extra-large dose. It's not my fault you're in here, so don't try and guilt me out. Quentin said that, although he was about as guilted out as one could get. He should have known better than to leave Pine alone when Mopuk's goons would be looking for revenge. But Pine just nodded. I know it's not your fault, kid. Looks like they messed you up pretty bad. Pine shrugged. Not so bad, really. They didn't want to mess up their investment. Notice they didn't touch the right arm and they didn't touch the eyes. Hell, if rehab goes well, I'll be back in the lineup in two weeks. Quentin looked up and down Pine's body. The man had been in surgery and then in a hospital room for three hours. With the speed of modern medicine, the fact that he still looked so rough was a real testament to the beating that he had taken. Mopuk's men had probably cut on him for quite some time. Yeah, well, don't think this guilt shit's gonna go over on me. I'm keeping my starting spot this time. Pine nodded slowly. Maybe, maybe, kid. He looked away. I guess I fuck things up pretty bad. If I don't start, well, if I'm not starting, I, I guess I'm not that much used to him anymore. Pine wasn't begging for the starting spot. He was just talking out loud. Yet the sentence hit home to Quentin, even more than the injuries, even more than his own run-ins with Mopook. Pine owed money. As long as he could throw games, he was an asset to Mopook. If he wasn't starting, if his career was on the way out, well, Mopook would have to do something about that debt. Quentin had seen Stedmar Osborne deal with enough fixers and loan sharks back in McCovey to know what would happen. If Pine wasn't playing ball, he was as good as dead. I'll take care of this, Pine. Pine looked at him hard for a few seconds. You stay out of this, kid. This ain't your business. You did the right thing, taking me out of the game. We're still in the playoff hunt, thanks to you. I brought this all myself. You get involved, you're just going to get fucked up. I can't let you go alone on this, man. (laughs) You can't? Why not? You hate my guts, kid. You wanted me out of the picture since your first day with the team. Well, now you got what you want, so just let it be. I don't want to destroy two careers with my stupidity. Well, can we go to Greedock? Pine looked away. Hell, he'll kill me faster than Mopuk would. Greedock finds out I threw games, I'm dead. You know, hell, I guess it doesn't matter. I'm fucked one way or another. Quentin nodded once, then walked out of the room. Outside, Tweedy, Fayette, and the linemen were waiting. They started to talk, but Quentin held up a hand, silencing them. Call a team meeting immediately. Get everyone, especially Shad. Tell Chodo to clear out the dead fly. We'll meet there. No coaches. Hokor and Greedock can't find out about this but what is this about? Just trust me. What about Vyrak? He's one of Greedock's bodyguards, totally loyal to him. Get him too, and tell him not to say a word to Greedock that I'll explain later. You tell him our playoff hopes hinge on his silence. Remote island in frigid lake superior a fabricated creature birthed from the mind of a disturbed genius stalks the very people who created it ancestor by number one new york times bestselling author scott sigler is a classic tale of science gone horribly wrong available wherever you get your podcasts quentin walked into the dead fly bar He saw a sea of familiar faces, or what passed for faces, looking back at him. There were no other patrons in the place. Only Krakens. Vyrak immediately walked up to Quentin, his big body showing anger and aggression. This had better be
0: good. Greedock does not like secrecy.
1: He's not going to find out. No one is going to tell him. No one is going to say a word about this shit. I mean about this stuff, sorry, to anyone. That's the way it's gotta be. You all got it? Quentin looked around the room. There was no sign of dissent. He'd called all these players together, and they'd come. They looked back at him, waiting to hear what he had to say. Quentin realized that his on-field performance had elevated his status among his teammates. At this moment, he was their leader. Shia, how much merchandise do you think you can get your hands on?
0: I've already got my load all I can carry.
1: I didn't ask that. What if you had more carriers? Say, 43 other carriers. How much could you get then? Shiat looked at Quentin, then around the room, his eye shifting to a translucent red of surprise. A lot. I,
0: I could get enough for everyone.
1: Virax's eye turned pure black.
0: What is this? You want us to smuggle drugs?
1: That's right. All of you. As much as you can carry. The cacophony of shouting questions filled the room. Shut the fuck up! Quentin's voice exploded in the small room, creating instant, stunned silence. Now all of you listen to me. Listen good. Pine owes money. That's why he was beat up, because he can't pay. We're his teammates, and we're going to pay off his debt. Everyone does it. No exceptions. And no one talks. The statement left a sea of stunned faces. Virak spoke first.
0: This is serious. Greedock ignores individual efforts. It's one of the benefits of being a player. The amount is insignificant compared to what he ships on the team bus. But the whole team smuggling? That's not something you ignore, Quentin. That's not being enterprising. That's being competition. Greedock does not like competition.
1: We don't do it, and Pine's a dead man.
0: That's no reason to lie to Greeduck. He is our Shamacath.
1: He's your Shamacath. Donald Pine is the Shamacath for the rest of us. He's the team leader, so you've got to make a choice. Vyrak's eyes swirled from blackish green to purple, a visible mark of his confusion. Vyrak, do you want to be a bodyguard, or do you want to be a tier one football player? Vyrak said nothing, so Quentin continued. Without Pine, Our chances of making the playoffs are pretty dim, and even if we don't make it, it doesn't matter. He's our teammate, and we are going to help him. We either do this, all of us, together, or Don Pine is a dead man. We can't go to Greedock. You all just have to trust me on this. Now, does anyone want to back out? He asked the question, but his eyes and demeanor clearly said that no one would be allowed to back out. And no one did. Except Rick Warburg. Fuck this. I'm not putting my ass on the line for Pine. Quentin glared at him. Yes, you are, Warburg. You're in. No way. I'm not going through this for a blue boy, and neither should you. It's a sin to help Satan's children. He's not a blue boy. He's your teammate. I collect a paycheck. I don't have teammates. Not from other races. I thought you were my teammate, but I guess I was wrong. Yeah, I guess you were. Warburg stared at him for a few seconds, then walked out of the bar, head held high. Anyone else want to quit? None of the other players said a word. Maybe it was their love for Pine. Maybe it was Quentin's will. And maybe it was both. All right, that's good. We've got three hours before the touchback leaves. Shiat, make it happen. Week 7 Big Diggers, 2 and 4, at Ionath Krakens, 4 and 2. Quit the Radiated Conference Standings. Glory Warpigs, Alone and First at 4 and 1. Ionath Krakens, Orbiting Death. Wittok Pioneers, Sheb Stalkers, all tied for second at 4 and 2. Grontak Hydras and Quith Survivors at 3 and 3. Big Diggers, 2 and 4. Woo Crawlers 1 and 5. And the Sky Demolition at Last Place at 0 oh and 6. The shuttle banked down to the customs platform, sliding into the express lane reserved for diplomats and foreign dignitaries. The team filed out and stood single file on the yellow waiting line. Three Quith workers dressed in the white uniforms of the Quith Concordia Navy slid hover sleds into the shuttle. The hover sleds were loaded with the typical weapon and explosive scanning suites. Kotop the Observer walked down the line of Kraken's players. It was a performance they went through each time the shuttle returned from out system.
2: The food must be very good on Orbital Station 1. You've all gained weight.
1: Quentin, like the other human players, wore a baggy sweatsuit with a bulging, rounded belly. All the players had some new bulky area on their body. The key linemen had bulging backs. Sklorno tails were fatter and longer. Even the Quith warrior's thighs seemed far thicker than normal. Kotop stood in front of Virak.
2: This must be a very proud day for a warrior like yourself. I wonder who will be hurt by your newfound wealth.
1: Vyrak said nothing, simply stared straight ahead. Maybe so he didn't have to look down at Kotop. Vyrak's eyes showed no color. Moments later, the technicians exited the ship.
2: No weapons, no explosives.
1: Kotop clapped his petty palps together once, then gestured to the ship.
2: You football players think you're so special. You flaunt the law right in front of us and there's nothing we can do. Someday, someday things will change.
0: Quentin, are you sure this is the right way to do it?
1: Quentin sat in the back of a cramped hover cab. Virac the Mean sat on one side. Chodo the Bright sat on the other.
0: Do you really want Pines debt cleared?
1: Quentin nodded at Virac's question.
0: Then we have to show strength. A leader like Mopuk will not let go of a choice deader like Pine. Not easily. You need to convince Mopuk it's in his best interest.
1: Quinn nodded again. He'd started this, and he'd finish it. But he hadn't expected anything like what was about to go down. Irak, Chodo, Shayet, and John Tweedy were all well-versed in violence. Real violence. The kind where beings died. Quinn could hold his own in any fight. But this was something different. He looked out the side of the open cab. They were in Ionath City's club district, a seemingly endless row of bars and dance halls. The street lit with brightly colored signs. Beings of all shapes and sizes crowded the streets. At least two fights were already in progress, one down the street to the left, and one just off to their right. Quith warrior constables casually worked their way through the crowd to break it up. We move now. Vyrak slipped over the cab's edge and onto the street. Chodo hopped out the other side. Quentin followed suit, walking behind the two quith warriors towards the bootleg arms. A holo sign above the bar showed a quith worker using his petty to repeatedly pour a gin and tonic. A line of beings, mostly quith workers, but all kinds were represented, extended out the door and down the street. A quith worker and three key, large but not as large as GFL linemen, stood near the door. The quith worker instantly recognized the three Kraken's players and gestured for them to walk past the line. Virac and Shoto entered first, moving in front of Quentin like the blades of a snowplow. They ignored the quith worker and the key.
2: Elder Bonds, welcome to the bootleg arms. If there's anything you need, I am Tikad the Groveling, and I assure you I will tend to your needs.
1: We want to see Mopuk, Tikad bowed deeply.
2: Mr. Mopuk may be busy, Elder Bonds.
1: Get him, asshole. Tikad bowed lower, said something to the key guards, then walked through the door. Vyrak and Shoto followed TCAD, Quentin only a step behind them. They walked through the door and onto a lighted floor that swayed with dancers of all species. He wondered how any being could dance to that crappy Tower Republic music, but it was all the rage in the clubs. Floating flashbugs gracefully avoided the swirling dancers as they emitted bright colors in time to the music's beat. The floor shook with the song's low bass tones, Frequencies it seemed to vibrate every atom in Quentin's body. Smells filled his nostrils. Like most clubs, designer pheromones permeated the air, guaranteed to put an erotic edge on every patron regardless of their species. He kept his eyes on Virak and Shoto, doing his best to ignore the sensory assault. The crowd parted before the two Quith warriors. Quentin couldn't help but feel important. The two of them moved like walking statues that radiated confidence mixed with lethality. They followed T-Cad to a back wall that seemed to vibrate, just slightly, in time to the bass beat. A hologram. Two quith warriors stood by the wall, not so gently pushing back any dancers that moved too close. T-Cad walked right between them and through the holographic wall. As soon as they were through, the music dropped off to a distant thud of bass and nothing more. Soft lighting seemed a direct contrast to the dance floor's garish flashbugs. Thick couches, some for all species but mainly for the small bodies of quiff leaders, lined the walls of the small room. A large oval table sat in the middle, a clear glass top revealing a tank of swarming insect-like creatures. On a chair behind the table sat Mopuk. His key bodyguards flanked him, one on each side. Quentin recognized them. They were the ones who'd beaten the crap out of him back on the deuce and tried to rough him up on the ace. That was when Virak the Mean had told the bodyguards that if he faced them again, he'd kill them. Quentin wondered if the two guards remembered the threat. t stood nervously, his petty palps repeatedly cleaning his eye, which glowed a deep yellow. Mopook's eyes, of course, remained perfectly clear. Sobox, Mopuk's Kretorakian lieutenant, perched comfortably on Mopuk's small shoulder. Vyrak and Shoto each took a small step to the side. Quentin walked between them and sat down on a human chair directly across the table from Mopu.
2: Quentin Barnes, you saved me the time of coming to find you again. You've cost me a lot of money this season. Money you will have to repay.
1: I owe you jack shit, but I am here about money. Quentin pulled out a contract box and slid it across the table. As the box crossed the glass, the insect-like creatures swarmed towards it, pressing hungrily against the glass top's underside. Mopuk picked up the contract box. And what is this? 4.1 million. Every penny that Donald Pine owes you. Mopuk's eyes instantly changed to translucent black. He slid the contract box back across the glass. The bugs vainly tried again to eat it. Sobok started flapping around in small circles.
2: That is not enough. Mopuk the Sneaky does not accept your offer. The fuck
1: he doesn't. Pine's debt to you is paid, Mopook. Now you stay the fuck away from him and anyone else on the Krakens. Mopook's eyes shifted to an even deeper shade of black.
2: You come in here and tell me what to do? I say that's not enough.
1: Mopook gestured to the glass table.
2: Now get out of here before I feed you to my pets. You
1: will accept this. Quentin leaned forward. You don't have a choice. Mopook leaned back, seemingly speechless then looked to his left and gestured a petty palp at one of the key. The two big creatures started to move forward, but hadn't even managed two steps before Virak and Shoto launched into action. Virak the mean moved forward at blinding linebacker speed. He touched his petty palps together once, and when he pulled them apart, a thin, glowing, silvery line ran from one to the other. He looped this line around the first surprise key and then yanked it tight. Black blood exploded like a water balloon as the key's upper torso fell away from the lower body. Chodo moved almost as fast, producing a fat blade from a hiding spot inside the carapace of his right arm. He jammed the blade into the second key's hexagonal mouth, bent it downwards, and thrust it right down the key's throat. Sobox flew up in an alarm and reached into his tiny vest. Quentin didn't know if they made entropic accelerators that small, but he wasn't waiting to find out. He threw the contract box like a missile. It smashed into SoBox, knocking the Kretorakian backwards. Sobox hit the wall and fell to the floor limp. Just before Chodo's opponent hit the floor, TCAD pressed a button on his belt. The holographic wall vanished, and an alarm screeched through the bar. The music kept playing, joined by the noises of fear and surprise from the patrons. Flashbugs started filtering in, pre-programmed to diffuse evenly through any open space. The two key bodyguards were not Mopuk's only protection. Two quith warriors sprinted towards the back room, each pulling a small pistol as they ran. Before the guns cleared their concealed holsters, flashes of black cloth hit them like phantasms. Both guards went down under the weight of a pair of Sklurno females. Haywick and Scarborough on one, Mesquitek and Denver on the other. As soon as the quith warriors hit the ground, John Tweedy slid out of a booth, head down, hateful eyes up, moving like a silent tiger. Do not fuck with Don Pine scrolled across his forehead. With a growling snarl, he put his fist clear through the first quith warrior's eye and deep into his brain. Clear liquid splashed up and out, covering Tweety's psychotic face. The second quith warrior kicked out, knocking Denver on her back. The warrior's petty palps whipped like snakes, wrapping around Mezquiddick's slender neck. Tweety flew through the air, dropping all his weight on the prone warrior. As John Tweedy and the warrior grappled, deafening roars erupted, far louder than the bass-driven music. Five sets of waving multi-jointed arms drew all eyes as the Kraken's offensive line, who had been quietly dancing only moments earlier, stood tall in their rear legs, twelve feet high, and more imposing than a rabid Mullahills bullcat. Bar patrons needed no further urging. They ran for the door, a stampede of every species moving as one panicked mass. Tweety rolled on top of the quith warrior, grabbed his thick head in both hands, and jerked to the right. A loud crack marked the end of the conflict, as the quith warrior quivered once, then fell still, motionless, save for one quivering petty palp.
2: Touch my quarterback, you motherfucker! Shit-eaters still make that mistake twice!
1: Black blood spread across the floor like a giant amoeba. Quentin had never imagined Key had so much blood in their tubular body. He felt his lunch rising up in his stomach, but he steeled himself against the sickness. The game was on, and he would stick with it. t cowered on the floor, his body already covered in black gore as he rolled about, quietly begging not to be killed. Mo'pook still sat in his chair, his eye now the pure blue of total fear. Streaks of black blood covered him, even on his eye. He was too stunned to clean it off. Virak and Shoto stood rock still on either side of him, awaiting Quentin's orders. Quentin picked up the contract box off the ground. He walked back to his chair and sat, then slid the contract box across the table once again. The bug seemed angrier than ever, but the glass still held them at bay. The contract box slid off the glass and onto Mopuk's lap. This is your last chance. You get your money. Pine is free and clear. Do you accept the deal? Mopu picked up the contract box in his trembling pedipalps. He slid the tip of one pedipalp into the box. The box's light switched from red to green, signifying a completed transaction. And that's that. Now you're paid. I don't have to worry about you coming after us. I don't want to see you again. And don't think of letting it slip to Greedock as a way of getting back at Pine. You know what'll happen to Pine if Greedock finds out, but you also know what'll happen to you if Greedock finds out you were fucking with his team and his players, right? Yes,
2: I agree. We will keep this to ourselves.
1: And what about them? Quentin gestured to the two dead key that took up half the floor, and to the two dead Quith warriors.
2: An accident. You will not be involved.
1: Quentin nodded again. The music continued to blare. But over the horrible noise, he heard the high-pitched rhythmic chirp of constables approaching. tcad The quith warrior didn't seem to hear. Quentin reached out with his toe and kicked him. Yes,
2: yes, Elder Barnes. Is there anything I can do for you, please, anything? You got a back door to this place? Yes, Elder Barnes. right this way!
1: t scrambled to his feet, his body trailing dripping black strands of thick key blood, and ran deeper into the club. Quentin followed, Vyrak and Shoto in front of him once again, And the rest of his teammates behind. As the first constables ran into the bootleg arms, Quentin and the rest of the Krakens were nowhere to be seen. In less than 24 hours, the bandages were gone, the rejuve bath had been removed, and Don Pine's healed arms crossed over his chest as he lay back in his hospital bed, staring incredulously at Quentin. So you paid for it? Are you kidding me? While his eyes showed doubt, They also showed just a flicker of hope. Yeah, it's right. The debt is paid. They were alone in the room. Teammates sat outside, of course. Not a moment had gone by when there weren't at least two Krakens players guarding their veteran quarterback. But they're not just gonna let me go. They make more on one game than my debt is worth easy. Quentin shrugged. Eh, it's been taken care of. Pine looked away. Man, those key motherfuckers broke my legs cut me up, Man, they'll be after me again. I know it. They won't be after anyone, ever. Virak and Shoto saw to that. Pine's expression relaxed into wide-eyed amazement. But why, Quentin? Why would you do this? I didn't do it. The team did it. Pine nodded. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure of that. But off the field, most of these guys can't even stand look at each other. Someone had to make them work together, and I know it wasn't Virak and Shoto. It was you. So why did you do it? All you had to do was stay out of it, and the team was yours. Quentin looked at the floor. I I don't know, man. You needed help, and, and I helped. That's all. Pine extended his blue-skinned hand. Quentin had shaken the man's hand before, but this was different. Quentin stared at it for a second. Ten weeks ago, to think a blue boy would be a true friend, while well, back then, that was simply unthinkable. Quentin Barnes shook Donald Pine's hand. I won't forget this, Quentin. Not ever. You have been listening to The Rookie, book one of the Galactic Football League series. Produced by Arioch Morningstar with post-production by Steve Rickyberg. Written and performed by Scott Sigler. For more information on the author and more free stories, go to ScottSigler.com. Theme music is the song The Kids Are Coming For You by the band Superweapon. Superweaponband.com.